You're listening to the First Baptist Rockdale Sunday Sermons Podcast. First Baptist Rockdale is a church dedicated to making disciples who make disciples. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Uh, Sometimes when it comes down to the Bible, uh, I have a tendency to view it uh, kind of hyper-spiritually, and that, that seems natural. I don't know what that is, but looks like uh, Whoopi Goldberg's about to transition into Demi Moore, maybe. I don't know, right? That's um, some craziness right there. Thanks, John Schaefer, for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> right, but sometimes uh, I read it hyper-spiritually. And that's not bad, because the Bible is a spiritual book, right? It speaks to the spiritual condition of man, speaks to what we're supposed to be doing inside of our souls. There's a lot of things. There's an unseen spiritual realm at work. Um, I'm fully, fully aware of that. I believe that, and the Bible teaches that. Um, but a lot of times the Bible is, is, you know, spiritual, and then at the same time it's like eminently practical. It speaks to what, 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 what your issues are right now, right here, today. And we've been working through the summer of sorrow in Ecclesiastes, um, and we're, we're getting near the end of Ecclesiastes, um, which is a very difficult book. Um, it has a lot of like uh, meaningless and like a lot of downers, kind of sour notes inside of it. Um, we come to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, and, and the author of Ecclesiastes, as he begins the, to, to wind up uh, this teaching that he has, uh, it begins to point at something that I think matters to us today, which is how can we experience um, the maximum amount of joy and pleasure uh, inside of this life. Like your life today, this, you know, whatever the dash is that's on your tombstone, right? Born, dash, day. That dash, that portion of your life that is lived inside of that dash, recognizing there's a whole lot of life beyond the final numbers written there. How can we maximize that, right, for, 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 for our benefit? Because you may not know this, maybe you've never heard this, but God truly does, like the, one of the desires of God's heart, right, uh, is to care for you today. And that, that your spiritual life, your eternal life begins at the moment of your conversion. It doesn't begin at the moment of your death. It begins at the moment of your conversion. And we can live that sort of eternal life starting at conversion. We don't have to wait until Beulah land. We don't have to wait till we cross over. To get there, God, God desires for you today to experience some of that eternal life today. And that means joy and peace and some of those things that we long for. Uh, God is trying to show you how to get that now, at least in, in measures that make sense now, recognizing this world is also full of the opposite end of that. But this is what he says, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, read with me, starting in verse 1. Uh, the author says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. Okay, so this is, this is a, a passage, and he starts off, and he's like, Cast your bread on many waters. And I have been to the beach many times in my life, and never have I found it wise to take my Mrs. Baird's and just throw it out into the ocean, right? But the idea is that whatever you throw out to the ocean, right, at some point, it comes back, right? And you see this with messages in a bottle, right? Someone throws the message off the ship, and I don't know, that's probably the whole plot of the movie Titanic. I don't know, I haven't seen it in a long time, right? Uh, but whatever you cast out, 
will come back at some point, right? Whatever you throw out there. And so, yeah, be, be, be generous in casting it out in a variety of places, in many waters, not just in one specific water. And then he goes on after that to say, give a portion to seven or to eight, for you don't know what disaster may happen on earth. And the idea here is uh, that we need to diversify our interests on this earth. We need to have a... And this it's not financial advice, by the way. I should probably start every sermon that way. This is not financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor. Um, but if I were a financial advisor, I would probably tell you something like this with your own personal investments, right? Like, it's not good to be all in in one area of any market, right? You might truly believe in the housing market. You may say, man, the housing market's going to continue to go up for the next 24 years, and I'm going to put all my money in real estate. But your investment guy is going to go around and be like, hey... Why don't we slow down and let's put some money over here in like, you know, nice, slow, you know, growing bonds over here. And here's some stocks that are pretty safe. And here's some other stocks that are kind of risky, right? And you, they want to diversify because diversification limits risk, right? And that's the whole idea. If it's diversified, it limits risk. And, and in our life, it, some of that's true as well. Diversification limits risk. You, you, your life has a, a finite amount of resources to it. There is a finite amount of resources, whether it's financial resources or time resources, you have a limited amount of all of it. It will come to an end at this state, on this side of eternity, and you have to maximize that, or we're called in some ways to maximize that for our benefit, for your benefit to diversify. And that means don't be all in on one thing. I was a youth pastor for a whole, whole, whole lot of years, and one of my youth, youth at one of my churches, man, it's been like 20 years ago now, that's crazy. Um, it's like 15, I guess. But uh, one of my students, he was a 10th grader. He had been playing uh, select team baseball uh, since he was like seven years old. And so his entire life was baseball all the time. Year round, you know, 10 months a year, he was playing baseball, traveling from, from you know, young up until 10th grade. And the whole purpose, right, the, the mind that his parents had was college. He's going to go to college. Uh, he'll go to UT because that's where they wanted him to go. He'll be a baseball player at UT, and whether he goes pro or not, that wasn't the goal. The goal was to get as much out of him as possible on this side, right? As much, much possible for college on this side. And in 10th grade, he was in my youth ministry, and he burned out of baseball. Just totally, like, he, when he would wake up in the morning, and it was baseball day, practice day, he was done. And maybe you've been there in some area of your life where you've worked long enough and hard enough in one specific interest, and then there just comes a point where you're like, and I'm done. Like, it doesn't matter how much you used to love it. It doesn't matter how much that used to bring you joy. You're just done. You reach that phase of burnout. But if you have a diversified set of interests, if you spend your life in a variety of interests, your time in a variety of interests, it maximizes your enjoyment of each of those while preventing you from being overextended in any one of those, right? And I, and, and I just want to encourage you, right? And some of you are older now, right? And you've already spent a lot of the years that God is going to give you. You have less years remaining than God had gifted you at the day that you were born. That may be true of me. I do not know, right? But, but diversify what you do. 
right? Learn a new skill. Spend time doing something else. Diversify your investments financially. Diversify where you give money, right? Instead of, instead, of, instead of putting it all into one thing or giving it all to one thing, diversify, right? It says give to seven or eight for you don't know what disaster may befall, right? right? Be generous with what God has given you, but live a diversified life because as you diversify your life's investments, you maximize your opportunity for joy and you minimize risks. If some risk were to befall you, like I love the Houston Astros. I'm a big Astros fan. Went to a game this weekend, right? First game I've been to in quite a while. Some of you are shaking your heads like they cheat, okay? And y'all feel real strong about the Astros cheating. I just want you to know, yeah, we cheat, okay? Yeah. I don't even see the point. What's, what's the question, right? <laughs> sure we do, right? Um, and I've told this story before. I was over-invested in them in 2005. They made it to the World Series in 2005. I went to Game 6 of the National League Championship Series, and I saw Albert Pujols kill Brad Lidge. I witnessed it live and in person, the death of Brad Lidge. He was resurrected as a Philly somewhere else, okay? And at that moment, I realized I was over-invested because I could not talk to my wife for 24 hours. Like, I couldn't say a word out of my mouth. I was over-invested. Right, some hobby, some something that should bring me joy. I had overinvested myself. I was overextended, and when that failed, when it didn't go the way I wanted it to, all of a sudden I was like, "Man, my life is over." Some of you are overinvested in things, things that can fail, things that may not last forever. You may be overinvested in your job. I want you to know your job is just that. It's a job. Right? It is not who you are. It may be important to who you are. Like, I love what I do. Like, if you were to ask me who I am, my job, pastor at First Baptist Rockdale, is one of the first things that you will hear, right? After, you know, husband, son, Christ follower, pastor, boom. That's, it's like the fourth thing that I, as I describe myself, right? It's a big part of who I am. But my entire identity isn't tied up in that job. And if for some reason tomorrow this church got fed up with me and fired me, it would hurt, okay? By the way, let's not do that, right? It would hurt. Right, right, let's not do that, but, but, but it would hurt, and I would sting, but I have other parts of me, like I recognize I'm more than just that, right, I'm more than just that, there's something else to me, I'm not just this limited to my job, and, and you need to recognize that, whatever your job is, like it's, it's part of who you are, it can be an important part of who you are, don't make it everything that you are, I've known guys that have given, you know, 20 hours a, week, 20 hours a day, 5 days a week, you know, 100 hours a week to a job, and then, you know, after 10 years, like, it's gone. And they, don't, they, don't, they feel this massive void in their life because they've over-invested themselves in something. Be a good worker. Be a good employee. Work hard, right? You're getting paid to do the job. Do the job to the very best of your ability. Serve in that capacity that God has given you. But don't over-invest in one area. Diversify your investments because you don't know where opportunities may come. You also don't know where disasters Maybe fall. If you want to maximize your life's joy, if you want to have a well-rounded life, you need to begin to make it well-rounded. That means you need to pick up new interests. Maybe you need to make, build a puzzle, right? I'm not a big puzzle guy, at least I don't think I am, but if you put a puzzle in front of me, all of a sudden I become a puzzle guy. Right? I don't know why that is. I probably enjoy puzzles, but I don't like saying it. You ever have that experience? This is all free for you right now, guys. You ever had that experience where you, all of a sudden you have a realization about yourself that you didn't like? I was at youth camp like 10 years ago, and they were doing like a get-to-know-you game. 
And the get to know you game was like, say your name, what grade you're in, that's really hard for a youth pastor, name, grade, favorite movie. And forever I had said my favorite movie was Happy Gilmore. I love Happy Gilmore, by the way. It's a wonderful movie. It's a classic. Should have won an Academy Award. I mean, Adam Sandler's best work, right? And we're going around, we're going around, and all of a sudden, like, it just hits me. Like a lightning bolt from the sky, Matt, Happy Gilmore is not your favorite movie. And that's not a huge deal, right, because I don't find that much worth in there. But here's my favorite movie, right? It's The Sound of Music. That's my favorite movie. And when that realization came to me, I was like, huh. And I like, I mean, I do, I love The Sound of Music. It's my favorite movie. But I would never have wanted that to be like in the get to know you game. Now you all know, right? Right? But like, I love the movie. The songs are good. You got Nazis, you got, and then they're the bad guys. Like, hey, everything's okay. It's a pretty good movie. Right? I enjoy, I enjoy that movie. But it was part of me that I just didn't really, I didn't really want to think that much about. Right? Diversify. You find out something about yourself in the process. God will be, be blessed, or you will be blessed by God as you diversify your interests. You'll find things about yourself in the process. Verse 3, it says, if the clouds are full of rain... Uh, that empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, and the place of the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, uh, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. This is what it says here. It says, look, observe the world around you at the things that you can't change. Right? You, don't have a, you can't affect the weather. You can't affect whether it's going to be rainy or stormy. You can't go outside. Uh, Kenneth Copeland can't do this either, by the way. Right, can't go outside and rebuke the weather away. He likes to think he can, right? He likes to think that he can. I, I don't like to bash everyone who's a false teacher all the time. Kenneth Copeland's one of them, right? Kenneth Copeland goes out and he looks at the rain and he rebukes it away. And you wonder, like, well, why are you? Well, why didn't you do it before the hurricane killed all the people in Haiti, right? Like, how selfish are you? It's only when it comes to Oklahoma does he care about the weather, right? It's because he has no power. Over those things. A lot of things we can't control, the natural phenomenon in the world, you can't control it. Observe the things that you can't change inside of the world. There are things inside of your professional life that you have no control over. Right? No control. I'm a I'm pastor at this church, uh, and that, that means that I am like a herding cats, right? Uh, and I work uh, for all of y'all while leading all of y'all. That's a very weird job. Right? I work for y'all while leading y'all at the same time. It's a very difficult, weird job in the process. And I recognize there's a lot of things I can't change. If a group of people get together and they want to do something, I'm like, well, you know what? It's not my deal. I can't change it. There are things that you are powerless to change. You need to observe those things. And you need to recognize that there are things out there beyond your control. That's humbling to know there are things beyond your control. Maybe they're in control of other people or maybe they're just in control of God. You know, there's going to be a day that you can't change, a day where you're going to meet Jesus face to face. You can't change that day. It's coming one day. It's your day. It's in front of you one day. When you recognize there are things outside of your control, all of a sudden diversifying your life's investments makes a whole lot more sense. Right? Because you can't control the housing market. Right? You can't control the stock market. You can't control the rate of inflation. You can't control who's pressing the United States. You get one vote. In a state of, I don't know, people live in Texas, like 30 million or something like that. I don't know if we live in Texas. Or you get one vote in the state of Texas, and those votes get pulled together to figure out who the president of the United States is. Like, you don't have, your, your control level is so low. And the sooner you begin to grasp the fact that you're not in control, the easier it is for you to recognize that you need to spread out where you invest your life. Because you can't, you can't always make the outcome you want. 
So spread it out because you can't, you observe there are things, you have no control over whatsoever. You can't make it rain, you can't make it storm, you're not in control of the presidential election, you're not even in control of half the things that go on your, me, the father in my house, I'm not in control of half the things that go on in my house, right? I wake up in the morning, I look at my wife and I say, what do I have today? And she says, this is what you got to do today. And I say, okay, that's what I got today, right? That, that's inside of my own home, right? We don't have control over everything. We have control over some things. I don't have control over everything. Recognize that. It's okay. It's humbling. But recognize there's also someone who does have control over those things. You know, what the book of Ecclesiastes kind of points our eyes up, right? Like, if we can't control the rain, we can't control the storms. Who does? Well, God controls the rain. God controls the storms. Right? Well, I can't really control who becomes president of the United States. Well, who does? Well, God does. God, right? God appoints leaders to nations, right? He uses people in this situation, wicked as they may be right, to, to appoint them to become leaders of nations and, and, and to do that, right, but God is the one who's in charge of these things that we have no control over, and that gives us some hope, knowing that he has a big picture in, in mind. Verse 5 says, as you do not know the way of the Spirit, uh, or the way of the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good, right? And this is just saying, know that there's things that you don't know, right? And that's part of wisdom, right? At some point, walking into a situation, knowing what you know, right? And then knowing what you don't know, and knowing there's other things that you still don't know that you don't know, right? Having a general sense of, of the lay of the land. And it gets into, like, the, the act of creation of a, of a person. We just celebrated uh, two, two children in our family, right, and, and like we know biology, right, we, we have biology now that has taught us uh, like how uh, a person is made, not going to get too detailed here today, get parents, I promise, okay, uh, but we, we have biology, and we understand like, okay, so this does that, and then this happens, but we don't even know like there's like this imbuing of a soul inside of this, this person, right, so inside of that baby, inside of that mother, a soul is created, you know, not just bones and flesh and organs and tissues, but a soul is created in that person. We don't understand that. We don't understand the creation of the soul. We understand how things work together. But that is something beyond our understanding. Just know that you don't know that. And then come to, come to grips with the fact that it's okay that you don't know everything. You don't know everything, and that's okay. Because God does. So you continue to diversify your life's investments. You continue to, 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 to live some of your life over here and some of your life over here and to give to this and to share with that and have a variety of hobbies and a variety of interests because you don't know everything. And you don't know what you don't know and there's things that you can't change even if you saw them coming. And then verse 7 and 8 says, Light is sweet and it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. Galileo might disagree. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. Let him remember that the days of darkness will be many, and all that comes is vanity. And there's Ecclesiastes jumping up at you right there at the end, right? It's like, hey, life is life's pleasant. Enjoy seeing the sun. There's great days, but darkness will be forever, right? That's, that's kind of a sour note for Ecclesiastes for you just right there, right? The idea, right, is that this day, today, is your day. Right? God's given you this day, right? I don't know, August the 8th, 2021. This is a day. Right? My mom used to wake me up on Sunday morning. My mom, probably not watching, so we're okay, has not the best voice. 
every morning, on Sunday morning, to wake us up to go to church, she would walk in singing, This is the day, right? You know the song, This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord. Right? She would just sing it, real loud, real annoying, right? And that was to wake us up. She did it intentionally to be annoying, to wake us up and get us out of bed. Um, but this day is your day. This is the day that God has given you. What are you going to do with this day? August the 8th, 2021. How are you going to maximize this day? Because God has given you this day. This day to have uh, temporal joy, right? To experience eternal life on this side of eternity. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit to be lived out in your life today. God has given you that for today. Are you going to live that today? How are you going to live that today? Because the next day isn't guaranteed, right? The next day isn't guaranteed. There's going to come a time when this day is no more. For some people, that next day is a day of utter and complete darkness. And you may be here today, and you don't know how you get from this day to the day of utter and complete darkness. I want you to know, like, there is appointed a day for all of us to die. And strive as you will, and fight as hard as you want, you will reach that day. And we don't know when that day is. Hopefully for all of you, it's a long ways off. Right? But for some of you, it's closing in. No, I don't know. <laughs> right? But, but it's coming for all of us, day by day. And when that day comes, that is the end of it. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that is a day that begins the, the rest of eternity of great darkness. The book of Ecclesiastes doesn't give much hope to get you out of that great day of darkness. If you were to continue reading the book, you fast forward a few chapters, a few books, you get that, that God has appointed all men to die, right, and to come to judgment. But some he has appointed the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, his son. And you can have life eternal, better than life here. So whatever your best day here is, whatever the best day you've had here, doesn't even, pay, doesn't even look like a good day there. And the only dividing line between that great day of darkness and the great day of light and life is Jesus Christ. Christ came he died, and he made a way so that you could have eternal life. We, we sang about it right at the final song, right? Like, like, why should I gain from his reward? The reward of Christ living a perfect, sinless life is eternal life. And we gain from his reward. We didn't do anything to do that. And the question in the song is, why should I gain from his reward? And the response is, I cannot give an answer. There is no good reason that you should gain from Jesus' reward. You didn't do anything. You're not smarter than the person next to you. You're not better than the person next to you. We're all in the same boat. But Jesus chose to pay your ransom. right? But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. He paid your way so that you'd experience eternal life. So these days, the best days here, that God wants you to experience good days here through a diversified life. Right? Diversify life to maximize your joy, to have a well-rounded life, to maximize your opportunities to have joy and meaning on this side of eternity. But these well-rounded great days pale in comparison to the real days God has in front of us. And so, guys, I want you to have that picture in your mind. Do you know that 
Jesus. And if you don't, we're going to have an invitation in just a minute. You can come down and talk to me. I would love to introduce you to Jesus Christ. Nothing would make me happier. They're just dedicated two babies. Awesome. Very excited about that. Much more interested in, in, in introducing you to Jesus Christ. Much more interested in that. Right? Because Jesus has the power to bring you from darkness to light. Guys, I want you to live a wonderful life. Joel Osteen wrote a book, right? Your Best Life Now. Right? And I got major issues with that. Because your best life is never now. It's never now. But part of what he's trying to get at, or at least what I believe he's trying to get at in the midst of some pretty soft, mushy theology, right, is that God, God truly does care about these days of your life. They matter. Not just for evangelism purposes, not just for sharing your witness with other people, but, but like he wants you. He wants you to enjoy your life today. And one of the ways you enjoy your life today is by having a well-rounded life. Do you have a well-rounded life? Or are you over-invested in one area? Are you over-invested in your job and under-invested in your church? Are you over-invested at your community service club and under-invested in your family? Are you over-invested in your family and under-invested in your work? Right? God wants to have a well-rounded life. Right? Cast your bread upon many waters. Right? And in some amount of days it will find you. Guys, I want to encourage you to, have a, to, to, to begin your eternal life today. Don't wait for tomorrow. Live a purposeful, joy-filled, victorious life now. You'll experience that greater on the other side, I promise. Your best life is yet to come. But today is the day the Lord has made. And you should rejoice and be glad in it. Because God has given it to you. Let me pray.